All right, Jonathan, welcome back to another one. Welcome back. It's my first yeah. one. <laughs> well, that's true. It's your first one. So welcome to the welcome to the podcast. Yeah, delighted to come on. Obviously, uh, un- unforeseen circumstances, but it's great to come on. Obviously, as a CEO of the company, it's great to kind of, I suppose, show a bit of my perspective. And um, look, obviously, we're delighted uh, for Mike. He's gone on to to become obviously a portfolio analyst. Mm-hmm. So we wish him all the best in his endeavors. Yeah. And um, we'll have some exciting news coming out pretty soon as well this week about a new bloke coming on board as well. And, you know, I think it's pretty exciting on the basis of all the you know, knowledge and background uh, that we bring, mm-hmm. um, especially the Pacific guy that we're bringing on as well. So keep tuned and um, yeah, we'll, we'll announce it soon. Yeah, exactly. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. Um, obviously, last week was you know busy week in markets. Uh, we've seen unemployment figures coming out. NFP was kind of the highlight of the week on Friday. So June jobs was up uh, two hundred nine thousand. We've seen unemployment tick down to three point six percent. You know, and average wages were still up four point four. I mean, still seeing quite a tight a labor market. Highlight, really, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we're still seeing a really tight labor market there, and I think you know it's, it it just clears the way for another Fed rate hike, really if I'm honest, yeah. um, going forward. We also seen the ISM as well. You know, it, it was a fairly downbeat report as well. Um, a new cycle low of 46 there. So everything's sort of pointing in, in a divergence. You know, we're starting to see interest rates come, or starting to see inflation, sorry, coming down. Employment, unemployment staying at a low, and we're starting to see manufacturing PMIs declining. So sure. that, that is all over the place, and markets are kind of stuck in the middle. Yeah. You know? and I mean, got, we, we said it there on Friday, right? I mean, we're hoping to see some of the dust settle really after getting the NFP numbers. But yet again, it was kind of you no know, a, a wet blanket almost of an event again, you know, and there's so many moving factors at the moment in terms of the markets, you know, there's lots of balls in the air. And I suppose in, in the, this, it's, it's great for, you know, for volatility and things, but in terms of actually trying to get your consistency in the markets at the moment and trying to pick what's moving the markets, there's there's so many variables, right? Exactly. There's so much going on. I, th- I think it's not a bad thing either. You know I mean? I th- I think personally, some of the equity markets we've seen, we've just seen that rally, you know, in the S&P all the way up yeah. to 4,400. Haven't seen too much going on. Now that we're coming into earnings season again, I think it's going to be a good, great time to get back involved, see a bit more volatility coming into the markets and maybe sure. even a bit of, maybe even a shift in direction. As Absolutely. Well. Look, risk on is definitely there. I mean, I mean, I'm not sure how or why there's so much risk on at the moment, but it, but it's there. I mean, look, we know the tech prices are inflated. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to happen there? We don't know. Exactly. Um, but people are still pushing their money there. Yeah, pe- people are still pushing money, and I think a lot of it comes off the basis, you know, as you know, me and Mike spoke many times about it. Now we're going to speak about it. Is that you know, the Fed are now projected to cut rates going into 2024 and people see the terminal rate be, you know, being 5.6 in the US. And that's really just being priced in. And it's, I would say it's overpriced if, if I'm quite honest. People aren't thinking the what if scenario, what if, you know, inflation now becomes sticky at around this 4 to 3% and um, it doesn't actually seem to move. What happens from there? Does does the Fed start to hold rates? And, you know, and, and what's the consequences of, if that actually does happen? You know, because we've started seeing as well, saving rates in the US, uh, we're actually up near 30% just during the pandemic. They're now back down to 5%. So there's a huge difference there. People don't have the same money anymore. Um, so people are going to be looking towards credit lines in order to you know, to, yeah. to sustain the lifestyle that they had during COVID. So they're either going to go towards credit lines, which are possibly going to be non-existent or very expensive, yeah. or they're going to have to give up that lifestyle. So sure. there's quite well, a lot of things, quite a lot of things are going to change now, I think, in the next in the next few months coming. And going into the back of this year, and no better week to look look at it is next week, the start of earnings season. It always gives a good indication. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's obviously a, a busy week, busy week ahead. Um, I know we spoke before this, but you don't think it's going to be anything groundbreaking, any of the data that's coming out. Obviously, CPI is the you know the main one. Um, yeah. But do you think we're going to see too much volatility around these? I mean, I I don't think so, because, you know, if you pointed that out to Jonathan as well, CPI is going to be the main one. But we already know that the Fed look at the PCE and, you know, the one that they look at is less shelter, excluding shelter. If we do see PC or um, CPI coming out in the US, projected to come in at what, you know, 3.1. So it's down 90 basis points from 4%. Even if it comes in at 3.2 or 3.3, which is, you know, quite a big miss to the upside, it's still coming down. It still drops 70 basis points, 80 basis points. It's still going to be positive, you know, for risk assets. It's still going to be negative somewhat for the dollar. Um, and if it misses even further to the downside, well, then, you know, yeah, it, it, it's still going to put everything in its favor. I think to see a huge hit and markets really reverse, I think it would need to still come in at about 3.9%, 3.8%, you know, oh, f- very, very gap down. So I don't see it moving markets too much. I think um, the days of inflation being the new NFP, I think is maybe over because, you know, for a long time there, everybody was just all eyes on inflation numbers. That's all that mattered. I think those days are maybe now somewhat behind us, if I'm honest. And sure. I think I think now it doesn't really matter as much. I mean, looking back at the last five months, it's been pretty much bang on forecast, you know, yeah. so I'd be surprised if it's anything different. It, it, exactly. You know, it was different this time last year when it was, what did it pick at? 9.1%, I think was, was June's number last year. You know, yeah. that was obviously different because people were like, well, how high can it go? Sure. But now, now obviously it's been in a decline for nearly 12 months. It's it's not really a surprise anymore. And as you say, economists have got it right five times in a row now. So six times shouldn't be much of a problem. Absolutely. And tell me, obviously looking at a couple of currency pairs, What's what's your pick at the moment? I mean, yeah, my pick as well. You know, I've still one of the key ones I always uh, bang on about on the app is definitely cable. I mean, if I'm just sort of taking a look at the chart here in cable now, and if anybody can sort of picture it, one thirty, yeah, yeah, it's still sticking to that one thirty. I mean, today alone, you know, cable ran all the way down to one twenty seven fifty there, and now it's just made that move all the way back up and sort of pushing above these recent highs. You know, um, just there at about the twentieth of June, nineteenth of June, cable pushed one twenty eight fifty, field came all the way back down to one twenty six, and now it's pushing back up at one twenty eight fifty, and I still think it's it's going to run to one thirty. I mean, yeah, I agree. I mean, that level is pretty strong now. I mean, there's a serious, you know, serious area of supply there, right? So if we do see that actual break, I mean, it's what attempted one, two, three, fourth, fourth attempt at that level now. So, you know, it's a pretty big indicator if we do see that break. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I don't see any reason why it doesn't, you know, continue to go up there. I mean, um, Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan have both come out and said that they see interest rates in the in the UK going higher for longer. And a lot of other economists have also came out and said the same. So you're going to start to see those, um, you know, the uh, interest rate uh, carry trades all occurring now. And as well, even if you look at emerging markets, usually that's where you see the carry trades. So you see emerging market interest rates are usually a lot higher than developed uh, markets. But now we're actually starting to see that uh, gap closing in. And where would you rather park your money? Would you rather park it in a developed nation or an emerging market? Well, you'd rather put it in a developed nation. And I think sure. that's why you're going to see a lot of money then flowing into pound. And like well. you say, look, sentiment is there. I mean, once we see that, maybe sentiment changed more negative, then we can kind of look to a, a different outlook really. But certainly bias is, is certainly, you know, looking to the upside here for Euro dollar and pound dollar looking at like, I mean, looking at Euro dollar again, same, same applies. Like it's kind of at them levels now, somewhere around just under the, you know, 1.1 level mm-hmm. again, for me, like the, the next real, you know, area of, of supply there somewhere around, um, yeah, 1.1. 
Yeah. I mean, if we get to that 1.1, I mean, I think we're going to, that's the next big barrier, right? So again, we may see price hit that, hit that level, but certainly a rejection around there. And, but if we do get a break again, there's not much in the way to the upside, right? No, exactly. And I think that one, that 110, 111 area for your USD is kind of the equivalent to 130, you know, for cable. Yeah. And then looking at that on the dollar index is the equivalent of 101 nearly on the dollar index. So I think yeah. we'll see all those levels probably get hit at the same time. And then from there, if you want to maybe readjust the portfolio, if you want to readjust a few positions, take things off, I think that'll be the the perfect time. You know, we may start to see a few more indicators coming out. We may start to see data change, even sentiment change, because Agreed. I was even reading a report this morning from Morgan Stanley. And, you know, their chief um, economist was also saying that they think UK risk assets are severely underpriced as well, some European assets. So again, that just backs the theory that we have, you know, about inflows of money really coming in through pound. Sure. Um, what's your what's your outlook on uh, FTSE? I mean, I, I, I somewhat agree with them in terms of that. I think it's it's underperforming, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that things are undervalued. But you have to remember as well what the FTSE is made of. You know, it's FTSE is mainly um, energy stocks and sort of financial services as well. And energy is really you know, um, been struggling this year. I think some of the energy stocks are really down over 30 to 40% this year. I know that energy inflation, gas prices are down over 40%. So you're going to see profits getting hit, revenues get hit, and therefore obviously the FTSE is getting hit as well. I think just looking at the chart, if anybody does have a chance to look at it, it's sort of currently sitting around that 7,300 level. And you can see a bit of a support coming in there. Um, I don't think it's going to go any lower than 7,200 or 7,000 really this year, to be quite honest. I think anywhere down around there, is probably going to be a massive buy. You know, I'm just looking at it on a weekly here, Jonathan, and just at around at the seven seven thousand twenty seven level, there's actually a two hundred moving average coming there, and that really just, if you can picture it, just lifts everything. And it looks like anytime price comes down there, this has come back, you know, to October twenty twenty one. Anytime price comes down there, it just seems to get bought up again. So I think the downside in FTSE is definitely going to be limited for now, but I would still be bearish on it down to around that level. Okay, and in terms of a stock pick. Obviously, we see Apple take a bit of a drop. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I think it's more of a corrective move. Um, what's what's your your thoughts on Apple? Yeah, I mean, I I still think Apple are somewhat overvalued, and I've and I've always I've always said that I always have to give my hats off to them and say you know fair play, you know always reinventing the wheel and and doing things, but I still just think three trillion is just way too high, you know, for for what they do. I think it's just one of those companies, Jonathan, where if you go on to if you go into BlackRock or any anybody like that and look up all their funds and their ETFs, the top holding on every single fund they have is always Apple. And I think that asset managers and retail traders alike just plow money into Apple and they just do it because it it's just nature. You know, yeah. if you ask any kid in the street, ask anybody, pick a stock, there's a hundred quid, buy a stock, they're all gonna buy Apple. And I think that that's just why they do it. So I, mean, I think most of the big stocks took a bit of a hit though, right? Yeah, literally everything took a hit, but Apple still was able to, you know, ride through it. You know, one of the things Apple do have going for them is the sort of um, small amount of debt that they have to compared to the huge amount of cash that they have. So when you yeah. see these, you know, times of higher interest rates, it doesn't really affect Apple too much. You know, we sort of know now the new trends in the world that it doesn't matter what interest rates are doing. It doesn't matter what sort of um, part of the economic cycle we're in. People are always going to buy phones. Why? Because when your two-year, three-year contract's up, you just automatically enroll on a new one. And we've had enough data from that over providers over the last 20 years to say that whenever people's contracts up, I'm not sure about you, but I know for a fact when my contract's up, I'm not going to hold on to the phone. I'm just going to release it and, and get a new one. And everybody, everybody does that at 
at the base case scenario. How many people buy out of their contracts one year into it, six months into it? There's people there that do that too, you know, and that's just obviously for phone sales. MacBook sales is probably the same. So agreed. Um, maybe we move on and have a quick look at oil. I know that's kind of been, <clears throat> it's been training, it's, it's been ranging for quite some time now, right? It's It just can't seem to break those levels. Um, you know, there's lots of different perspectives and viewpoints from people around this and, you know, what what's your kind of medium term look on on oil? Yeah, I mean, I I sort of said there, Jonathan, back in April time, um, just shortly before OPEC came out about the surprise announcement, I said just be weary, just beware if OPEC come out and say anything about um, you know, um, supply cuts, oil will pop, and it did, you know, popped all the way up to eighty four, and as you said, we're just in that range bound, and I think now markets aren't really taking it serious enough. You know, every time OPEC come out and this or the Saudi um. Uh, energy minister comes out and says, you know, we're we're going to cut supply by a million dollars a barrel or a million barrels a day, for example. Markets just don't seem to take it serious. Yes, you know, oil maybe rallies from 72 to 74, maybe, you know, WTI, but doesn't seem to break above that $74 a barrel region. That's the, that's the range. And also looking as well as US stockpiles. I mean, US uh, crude inventory stockpiles are really heading towards um, the lows of which they've been for the last sort of three to four years. And that's kind of worrying for me because I think what they're going to start to do is is the US going to start to turn the taps on, because if yeah. if if the dollar still if the dollar starts to get weak, well, what does that do? Well, that starts to erode purchasing power for the dollar, which starts to then pull up inflation. And if inflation starts creeping up, oil prices start creeping up. You know, the last thing that Joe Biden wants, and you know, the sort of last term of the presidency, is for prices to increase and start to see a double dip inflation. If inflation Agreed. starts going back up, you know, he can kiss goodbye to to 2024 and that's not what he's going to want so they're going to do everything in their power to make sure oil stays low enough to keep inflation low enough so as much as you have to keep an eye on what OPEC are doing a lot of people always seem to think that Russia and Saudi are the biggest oil producers in the world it's actually the US and it's actually back you know quite a big margin so you want to keep an eye on what the US are saying if they said that they're going to increase uh, production then yes oil prices could tumble back down so I still think for now, this sort of range that we're in between 67 and 74 will hold. If we get above 74, I think it won't go any higher than 80, to be quite honest. And if we get below 67, then the downside will be capped, I think, at around 60. Right, right. Okay, yeah. Um, last of all, I suppose, let's have a quick look at gold. Again, another range in uh, asset class. I mean, looking at the, the prices now, I mean, I was expecting actually further down downside here. It seems mm -hmm. to have picked up a little bit. Um, yeah. But... Again, like it's it's hard to forecast really where gold's going at the moment, right? Yeah, I I find I've always found gold extremely difficult to forecast. It's one for me I've never um really warmed to. You know, I put on the app there myself and another guy were having a conversation about gold. I'm quite short in gold. He's long gold, so we're just waiting to see what plays out. But I still think you know gold's going to come down to that 1900 again and and retest it at least before the end of the month, if I'm honest. Um, I mean, we've seen that rally recently all the way up to sort of nearly 2100. And from there, you know, that was middle start of May. It's just continued to come down the whole way from that. And we've seen gold weakness um, from it. It's also seen gold purchasing in China and other central banks starting to um, decline as well. And I think as well, what's maybe some traders are holding on to is the fact that this whole, um, you know, the BRICS economy are looking to create a currency backed by gold as well. You know, sure. that's sort of drawn attention. And one of the other things just to realize is that, you know, one of the heaviest traded um asset classes by retail traders is actually in fact gold you know a lot of retail traders love trading it I'm not sure why i'm not sure what the attraction is but they all love the scene volatility scene. generally yeah. right yeah they, they all love to just get in and trade it and sometimes that can 
in the short term, it can actually defer prices the, the wrong way, if that makes sense. That's usually why you see when gold moves, that's why it usually moves. You know, if you if you look at a chart and uh, have a look at gold from the 9th of March, it, it moved from, you know, 1820 within a few weeks, it was all the way up at 2000. And then in the short term, it seems as if retail traders are just playing against institutional traders. And that's why it doesn't move in the short term periods. But over the course of a couple of days or weeks, it just jumps massively. I mean, so. it, it's hard to create an argument you know, against the six week downtrend. I mean, for me, price has to rise above 1980 for it to become a buy, you know, well, and I'll be saying well, well cleared up before. Well, exactly. I've got it marked out in my chart here, Jonathan, that it has to give above 1940 just to find some near term support above 1940. Yeah. There's obviously resistance there at 1980. So yeah. that's that's still just within a zone. And then, as you say, above 1980, then you can start looking at long term buys. Yeah, 100 yeah. percent. Yeah, so still still quite bearish on it for, for now. Yeah. But obviously, um, still a bit of a bit of a good week ahead of us. Obviously, CPI coming out Wednesday and earnings season kicking off. So still a lot to happen. Yeah, hopefully get some some volatility. But um, really, I suppose for this week, what I'm looking for is, I suppose, just to wrap this up, I guess, certainly mm-hmm. euro dollar and cable to the upside. Yeah. Um, hard to know with oil and gold. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see where stocks are going to go from here after that slight drop off, right? Exactly. VIX is starting to pick up a bit, you know, obviously down at the lows of 13. So I think if we see some poor results coming in this quarter, we could start to see stocks slide down a bit further. would be... Yeah. Be great to see start to load up again in the pensions but <laughs> yeah. let's see what happens <laughs> yeah brilliant it was a pleasure uh doing this today no yeah brilliant to have you on thanks very much for joining john awesome thanks right. buddy Take care. cheers Bye now.